0: Thank you for joining us for episode 374 of Live Happy Now. We know that laughter and humor feel good, but did you realize how much good they can do? I'm your host, Paula Phelps, and this week I'm talking with Shepard Siegel, a musician turned educator whose recent research has centered around the idea of play, playfulness, and humor as a driving force of change. His latest book, Tricking Power into Performing Acts of Love, How Tricksters Through History Have Changed the World, looks at the trickster archetype and the role it plays in social change. Shepard's here today to talk about the importance of finding fun and humor in our lives and how to reclaim those habits as adults. Shepard, welcome to Live Happy Now.
1: Thanks very much. It's a real pleasure to be here, Paula.
0: You are all about fun and humor, which is really in short supply right now for a lot of people. One thing that really stood out about your messaging is that you say laughter, humor, and playfulness can get this world back on track. Big question. How are we going to do that?
1: I've written a couple books about this, and I do look at playfulness and play and how it connects to culture and how it connects... To politics and play is something that all animals do all the time except humans. So, a lot of us have kind of lost. I mean, we there, we there are playful humans, but they stand out, they're the exception rather than the rule. And I really got into investigating the play of very young children, children under the ages of four and five, because that's when we are most like other animals and they have this intrinsic sense of playfulness and so forth. But as my my research progressed. I went to this conference about play, and I met someone there, and she talked to me about the trickster archetype, and realized that the trickster archetype is this personality type that represents a more grown-up uh, person who's playful. And of course, archetypes can be semi-divine. They're semi-divine, but a people can aspire to them. So. To, come to get to your question, our personalities are made up of, we all have all the archetypes in us, but different ones are stronger. Like in Star Wars, it's all about the hero and the warrior. And when someone has a lot of that in them, we go, the force is strong with them. So I really got into looking into tricksters because I feel that part of what's wrong with our society today is that we're infatuated with the warrior. And so many of us believe that our problems can be solved. Solved through conflict and war and argument and just defeating our adversaries. Now you can't kill an archetype, you can't get rid of them, you have to have them there. We become hyperbolic about the warrior to where we're not giving the other archetypes, whether it's the mother, or the, the true hero, or the sage, or the muse, magician, or in, my, in the case of my research, the trickster, giving them enough play and, and enough to say. So tricksters can really, I think, be part of the magic elixir to make our society a better place. Uh, Tricksters just want to have fun. And as tricksters stumble through life just having fun, playing tricks just for the fun of it, eventually they get to a place of moral discovery. And that's why I think they can kind of be a refresh and a reboot for our society if we would listen to them more. So naturally, when you look at comedians and people who trade in humor and even people who make comedies in film and TV, very often the the trickster force is strong with them.
0: How do we use this humor and this this trickster mentality to, to get the world back on track?
1: Yeah, I mean, I can't give you an exact uh, blueprint, but I but I do believe that comedy is part of it. I can give you like a contemporary example of, you know, satire. Satire is is, is what helps us get there. You know, one of the things that people have really enjoyed and they've said back to me about my book is I write about slapstick. And they go, you know, I never really liked slapstick, but when I read your book, I appreciated it more because slapstick, one thing, it connects the playfulness of the young child to The grown up. And for another, slapstick is always pulling a prank on the ruling class and bringing the rulers down to the ground. Charlie Chaplin famously said If I dropped a scoop of ice cream from a third story balcony onto someone on the street, if I drop it on a poor person no one's going to laugh they're going it's going to arouse sympathy for that person but if I drop it on a rich person everybody gets that and everybody laughs and so that's how we bring it into today's world that's why Sasha Baron Cohen and the kinds of things that he does are so funny so satire is a way of kind of overturning the the power structure and I think that's part of what we have to do so let's start with the personal i walk around a lot i walk around my neighborhood a lot and i have this little discipline some days i'm better than others i say hello to five to eight strangers every day now if they're wearing earbuds it doesn't count if they're very deliberately avoiding eye contact doesn't count but anyone who otherwise walks near me i'm going to greet them I'm going to say hello to five to eight strangers. Now, why five to eight? Well, if you don't do it with five strangers, you're not really trying. But if you try to do more than eight, it's going to kind of bring you down because people, at least in my town, are afraid. There's too much fear in the world, and they're afraid of the human contact. So we have to build community. And that's like the very basic building block that I do to build community. And you have to build trust. And so it starts with greeting people and getting to know the people in your neighborhood and just saying hello to folks. And maybe it leads to something. Now, what does that have to do with humor? Well, if I'm gonna joke around with you, you have to trust me. Otherwise, if I tell a joke and you don't trust me, you don't really even know whether I'm joking or not, especially the kind of humor I trade in. So building trust is kind of the groundwork. It's the prerequisite, if you will, for for humor and also for community as well. And that's more than a coincidence. The second thing that I think folks can do is you have to join a movement that you that for your heart and your mind is making the world a better place and where you are in contact with other people and working with them so it could be feeding the hungry it could be fighting racism it could be fighting war it could be fighting for human rights set aside all the things that are taking us down right now and look for the folks who are working to build us up and to make the world a better place and you got to do more than click on your computer although do that make your donations but get out there and make a circle of friends and colleagues and then find the joy and the humor that will inevitably come as as you work with those folks
0: We're taking a quick break from talking with Shepard Siegel about how humor can save the world. And we're going to bring in Casey Johnson, our lovely e-commerce marketing manager. Casey, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. We've been talking about a product called Organifi that you and I are both really, really high on. And I've been drinking the green Organifi, but you have really taken to the red Organifi. Tell us about that.
2: Yeah, so I really like the Organifi Red Juice. It has 13 superfoods that work together. I personally really like it just because it's it naturally boosts your energy throughout the day. And what blows my mind is that it contains zero caffeine. I love to drink the Organifi Red Juice typically in the mid-afternoon when I start to feel a little sluggish or don't have any brain power or even right before a workout or if I'm going for a walk. So all I do is I drop a scoop and a glass of water and boom, it tastes so good. And that's, that's really all it takes. Yeah, <laughs> it, it gets a
0: job done because I love the fact that it is so nutrient dense. So Casey, why don't you tell us how our listeners can find out more about it and get some of their own?
2: Yeah, so they can go to Organifi.com slash Live Happy Now. That's Organifi, O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I dot com slash live happy now and that 20 percent discount will be automatically applied at checkout or you can just go to organify.com and use live happy now at checkout and you'll still get that 20% off Who doesn't love that
0: all right we love it and what else we love is talking about humor and so we're going to go back talk some more with Shepard Siegel about how humor can save the world So one of the things that you talked about earlier that was really interesting where you talked about how you you study like four year olds and five year olds, because that's where they're most playful. And, you know, we do we start losing our ability to be playful. And is that something that gets taken away from us or do we give it up? Like, why does that happen? Why do we get So, so serious?
1: Yeah. So my my mentor on this was a gentleman named Fred Donaldson, and he wrote a wonderful book about playfulness, and he goes out there, he plays with dolphins, he plays with wolves, and he also does um, forms of of therapy in a way where he uses play to help young people who have have been damaged or abused and help them reconnect to their life force, so to speak. So what he calls this state of playfulness that comes very naturally to all animals and to children, say, under the ages of five and four, is what we call original original play. And you know, if you have children or grandchildren who are that young, you can connect with this. So instead of always being the grown-up around them, you create a safe place on the floor and you get on you get on the floor with that little kid and you roll around and you wrestle. It's a very physical thing. There's no biting, there's no clutching, there's no tickling. <laughs> Or what?
0: Ideally, there's no biting. Yeah,
1: no no biting, no clutching, no tickling. It's not sexual, obviously, but you're wrestling around. And what will happen is little games will start to emerge, but then the games dissolve just as quickly as they emerge. So there's no winners and losers. There's no competition involved. It's just strictly playfulness. And so this is a very physical thing, and it's very refreshing. And for a lot of us grownups, it's really hard to get into that space. And I would also suggest that the artist, the person who's creating music, who's a, a painter or a poet or an actor, that they are also engaged in a in a cerebral analog to this stuff called original play. So then what happens as about the ages of four, five, or six, is the grown-ups start They start putting rules around play and they start saying, you know, that's really neat what you're doing, Johnny, and you can keep score and you can have winners and losers and you can go for your personal best, whatever. And we can turn this into a sport activity or or a game, you know, that you play. And that's called cultural play. And so there's nothing wrong with cultural play. That's what we need in order, you know, when you go to see the doctor, you want the best doctor, you want the doctor who's competed and succeeded and achieved. When you hire any kind of professional, that's what you want. So I'm not saying there's anything wrong with cultural play, but I am saying it's kind of gotten out of hand and we've become so enamored of winning and playing games that we can win with, you know, the most toxic form would be is war, right? Right. Short of war, you've got politics and a lot of the politics is so, so competitive that it has overshadowed and blotted out that ability to have original play. So I do believe in trying to bring that back. now. I invented this third form of play. So we've talked about original and cultural. This third form is called disruptive play. Oh. So di- disruptive play is the algebra is very simple. If you take original play and you introduce it into the arenas of cultural play, you will create a disruption that hopefully, done well, is going to kind of raise people's consciousness and make them think maybe, maybe we do take this competitive side of ourselves too seriously and we're not playful enough. So what
0: about as adults now that want to like, there's a real importance in reconnecting with our playful side, but, Honestly, a lot of people aren't sure where to start, especially if your kids are already grown or they're out of the house or you don't have access. You can't just steal the neighbor, kid. You get in trouble for that. But, you <laughs> know, right. So, so like, how do people reintroduce play? Because it's not we don't value that as something, you know, we say, OK, I need to work on my man mindfulness or I need to work on this or I need to work on my physical fitness. But we don't say I need to become more playful and here's how I'm going to do it.
1: Right. Well, I'm more more of a writer, so but I, I love working directly with people and I haven't yet chosen to create play shops. For example, this guy I talked to earlier, Fred Donaldson, didn't do workshops, he did play shops. And oh, I like um that. Yeah, yeah. And and he did this with a bunch of us where he set out the mats and he kind of trained us on how to do this. And I I don't have the name of his organization right now, but but his and he's he, he's getting on in life, but he has enough followers that have continued to do these play shops. And then the other guys I'm interested in are these guys called the Yes Men. And the Yes Men actually also do trainings and they call it the Trickster Academy. And oh really? Yes, yes, and they 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 tell they tell you how to how to pull pranks and some of these have have a political edge to them, but they're guys who really believe in the playfulness of the adults and that this can be done. So I'd encourage folks to look up the the yesmen.org, I believe is what it is.
0: I know I've got to let you go, but before we do, you know, like for parents who say, all right, I want to regain my playfulness, but I also don't want my children to ever lose theirs. Like, how do we prevent that? Because there's got to be a way to say, you know, as children are growing up to help them retain that playfulness. And I think there's so many great character strengths that are developed as through humor and through teaching them playfulness. So what can we do to keep our children playful instead of relinquishing that?
1: I'm so glad you asked me that because it's probably a little bit less, more, what can we stop doing? And
0: <laughs> That's when, usually the case, isn't it? Yeah.
1: Right. That when we get our kids overly scheduled, when we press them so hard to achieve, to great achievement, every time you do that, you're squelching their ability and their time for unstructured play. And there is this, she'd be a great person for you to have on from New York. And what does she call it? Free range children. And she even (laughs) lives in New York city. And when I was a kid, you know, I would get home from school and my folks said, go play, see you at dinner. And it was easier in those days, I guess, to just roam the neighborhood and have adventures and be playful and to the extent that parents today can still do that and i contend the world is not as dangerous as we often think it is, and that sometimes the, the dangerous, nasty things, you know, if it bleeds, it leads. So we're saturated with news media that's always talking about these terrible things that are happening, but maybe the percentages of that are actually not much higher than they've ever been in, in some cases, enough so that you can let your kid have that unstructured play time. And, and sure, if they, you want them to learn how to become a great musician, or a great athlete, or a great scientist, there's time to do that, but it doesn't have to completely squelch that unstructured playtime that the children need to have. And, and should you schedule
0: that? I mean, that sounds. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like an oxymoron to schedule sure. unstructured playtime, but yeah. it, it seems like it would be important.
1: Yeah. And I think the good test would be that as the kids approach teen years, is there still part of them that wants to be. Playful and, man, dare I say that <laughs> that word, silly, <laughs> <laughs> to even be silly as they grow into their teen years, I think that's a really healthy thing. I think our society would just be a much more fun place to be if we, we could all retain that. Yeah. So
0: what is it, before I let you go, what is it that you hope people start to figure out about humor and fun as we... Kind of march through as we're trying to come out of a pretty dark time. So what do you right. hope that they can discover?
1: Well, discover the humor, discover the comedy. And 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 this is not the first time that we've been in dark times. And if you look to the people in our in our own nation who have historically suffered, not just recently, but historically suffered and look at the comedy that they come up with and i write in the book one at one time you know sometimes the tougher it gets the funnier the humor and that even if you find yourself addressing what you think is a terrible wrong try not to take it overly seriously it, it is serious and do the serious work but laugh too and also Paula, I just want to say, it's okay to imagine a better world, and it's okay to talk about utopia. When people talk about utopia, they're usually dismissed and kicked out of the room, and they're laughed at. But I think the darker times get, the more important it is that we go ahead and have the courage to have that discussion. Okay, you're unhappy. What do you think a perfect world would look like? Whether we get there in this lifetime or not, we've got to have a North Star, and that's what gives me hope. I've never stopped talking about that.
0: I like that. That is a great way for us to wrap it up. Shepherd. I appreciate you spending the time with us today and teaching us a little bit more about how to have fun. I'm mean,
1: Well, thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure to be here and I look forward to hearing more from you, Paula.
0: That was Shepard Siegel talking about how fun, humor, and playfulness can save the world. If you'd like to learn more about Shepard's work, check out one of his books or follow him on social media. Visit our website at livehappy.com and click on the podcast tab. And remember, throughout July, we're celebrating Live Happy's Summer of Fun Month. And as part of that, we're giving away some prize packs that include great Live Happy merchandise, the Happiness Workbook for Kids by Maureen Healy, and some very cool family-friendly gifts, including Sunny sunglasses made just for kids and Yipe's plant-based face and hand wipes to keep those little hands and faces clean while you're out having fun this summer. Visit our website or follow us on social media to learn more and find out how to enter. That is all we have time for today. We'll meet you back here again next week for an all new episode. And until then, this is Paula Phelps reminding you to make every day a happy one.